Good morning. So great to be here with you guys again. I absolutely love this fellowship, just so you guys know. You guys are awesome. I love the building. I just love being a part of this. And, and so thank you, Brian, for allowing me to be here again this morning. And uh, um, this morning we're going to be looking at Titus chapter 2. So you guys can turn in your Bibles there. And this is a, a message that's super dear to my heart. Um, we were all young at one time, right? We're maybe not so much. Um, I'm a grandpa of two already, and I'm not even 30 yet, so I don't know how that works. But um, no, my daughter, my older daughter just had her second child, and so it's kind of it's kind of fun. But, um, you know, in, in, in Titus chapter 2, and actually in Titus, it really gives him a, a, a vision, or I, I guess t- is Paul's mentoring Titus on just kind of like like what the church should really look like. And I look at that and I'm like, man, like us is, is, is the older generation need to be pouring into the younger generation. And so that's the title of our message um, this morning is just teach them how to live. And, and for that is like, you know, it could be youngers, could be older people that just don't know the, 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 the gospel that well. And so our job is just to teach them how to live. And so before we, we dive in, we'll pray real quick and then we'll, we'll, we'll hit our text. And so, Lord, we, uh, we thank you so much for this time. And, and Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that we're able to, to be here in this building, worshiping, singing songs, and, and just loving on you. Thank you so much for, for Pastor Brian and, and Lord, for where you brought him and that he could be with us here uh, this afternoon. And Lord, I do pray that you just continue to touch, that you continue to heal him. Lord, that you give him the grace, as you told Paul, that you give him the grace with the thorn in his side. I pray that you give uh, Pastor Brian the grace that he needs to be able to get through uh, through this and this season of life that he's in. And so, Lord, just pray that you just continue to, to touch and heal him. And Lord, we just thank you and just pray that you would just truly bless this time that we have this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. Amen. And so, it's, it's interesting, um, as I was going through this, I, I looked at this church's website, and you guys may know where this quote came from. Um, it's this church. And so uh, I just thought this, that, that the quote you guys had on the website, Pastor Brian, it's actually your quote, um, was fantastic. It says, the biblical teacher's role is not to take the Bible and bring it into the modern world, but to take the modern reader back to the biblical world and understand it as it was written by the authors for the first readers in the historical context. Then bring that understanding back to the modern world for how to live it in our modern world. And I just thought that was a, a great quote because that's exactly it, right? We're, we're called to go out and bring people to the Lord. And, uh, and so I just thought that was a, a great quote, just what, what we're talking about. Um, it's, it, you know, we all, we have missionaries. You guys have Pastor Philip. It sounds like that's a missionary that, that's going through some, some struggles. And, uh, our job as believers, I really believe is to go out. There was a, a season where I would take, uh, the high schoolers and we would go to, um, the skate park every Wednesday night and we'd grill up hamburgers and, and, and hot dogs. And I would just make food. And it's interesting. You get food around kids and they just, I mean, adults as well. Right. But, but they didn't care where it came from. They didn't care who I was. They're like free food. We don't have to pay for this. We'll eat it. And I'm like, you guys don't even care if it's poisoned or anything. They're like, no, it's free. Right. And, and so, but it's important for us to go out, bring people in and really just to teach them. And so that's what we're going to see Paul doing here. Paul wrote the book of Titus and Paul was teaching Titus how to live, right? And so um, before we get into our main text in, in chapter two, we have to look, we have to do a little background in Titus. So we're going to, um, you know, go back up to chapter one a couple times. But in chapter one, verse four, he says to Titus, a true son in our common faith. So Titus or so Paul probably led Titus to the Lord. He, he mentored him. Definitely. Paul wrote this letter to Titus because things that were lacking in Crete, an island, and this is the island where Paul was shipwrecked and he was bitten by a viper. And it's interesting because he says he just shakes it off, shakes it off. Like, I don't know if anybody's ever been bitten by a snake. I never have. But a viper, I can only imagine like Paul's like, you know what? This is, this day's over. I've been shipwrecked, trying to stoke the fire. Viper comes out, bites him in the hand, shakes out. He's like, I'm going to bed. Um, 
But you, you can imagine everybody around that viper comes out. They're like, oh, whoa, he must be a god, right? Be, because of that. And so, so the, uh, the church in Crete, and, and this again was just an island that was in the middle of the sea. But, um, so Paul gives us a great picture of things that were lacking in Crete as well. And so he's telling Titus, hey, these things are lacking. So if you guys look at, um, chapter one, verses 10 through 13, it says, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households teaching things they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Wow, that's a great description of somebody. Um, 13, this is the test. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. And it's interesting. I can say that there's a lot of churches like that today, that mouths need to be stopped, right? That, that are teaching falsely. And I believe that there's a lot of churches today that need to get a letter from Paul, right? Could you imagine if Paul was still alive? All kinds of churches would be, I'm very thankful that my pastor, our, our church teaches the word. I'm very thankful that you guys have Pastor Brian here that teaches the word. It, it, it is so, so important. The word of God is, is everything. And there, we know that there's nothing new under the sun. And so if it was happening back then, of course, it's going to be happening in the church today. And so, so Paul left Titus there. He said, I'm going to leave you there in Crete because of the problems in the church, the congregation, and the leadership. There were guys leading and teaching things that they shouldn't have been teaching. But Paul says, first and foremost, the topic of leadership and that Titus has to look for these qualities. These guys have to look for these characteristics in godly men. Then raise them up and appoint them elders in different churches around Crete. And so Crete wasn't this little island. Crete was actually a pretty big island. It was about 35 uh, miles wide and about 160 miles long. So it was a pretty, pretty big island. And that would have been uh, plenty of room for different churches. And so Paul is going to give Titus what um, Titus a list of what leaders should look like in verses 6 through 9 in chapter 1. And this is exactly it. And I'm sure that these go for your church as well as my church. But if a man is blameless, a husband of one wife, having, a fa- having faithful children, we're all disqualified um, because kids are psychos. Um, but <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, guys. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> but having, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. Seven, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, holy, self-control, holding fast to the faithful word as has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine to both exhort and convict those who contradict. And again, we have leaders in our pastor in our churches, and I know you guys have your pastors and leaders in this church that meet those qualifications. And it's interesting because in Psalm one thirty eight verse two, it says that God puts the, His name of, or His word above His name. That's how important the word of God is. That's how important it is to be in the word of God, to be able to share. I love sec, or what Paul says in Second Timothy four two. He says, "Preach the word." That's it. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. The word of God is so important. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God changes people's lives. I know that there was a time where we all didn't know who Jesus was. And we can all look back and say, wow, look how powerful that was. I remember when I got saved, the, the state that I was in, in, in the place that I was, and 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 only God could have used that certain person with the testimony that he had to be able to open my eyes to what Jesus had for me, right? And so the word of God is so, so important. So we have who wrote the letter. We have who he wrote it to, the purpose of the letter, and what a leader should look like. And so I love that Paul kind of hits the whole congregation just really in Titus. In, in, in the book of Titus. And because uh, he, he wants to make sure that, that everybody knows their role. Not just, it's not just the, the, the pastor's job. We all play a role in the, in the church. 
And so let's read. We're finally going to get there. So let's read chapter 2. Now, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read it. And then we'll, um, just so we can kind of get the full context of what of what um, Paul is talking about. And then we'll kind of go back up verse by verse and kind of you know hit some of these uh, topics that he has here. And he says, so verse 1 of chapter 2, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be, men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, and love and patient, the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify himself, his own special people, zealous for good works, speak these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. And and just what a great group of verses and 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 chapter two totally contradicts the world today. <laughs> like a wife submitting to their husband, are you kidding me? Right? My daughters used to say for the longest time, like I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need no man. And I agreed. But now they're both getting married. So, Or one of them is married, the other one's going to get married. So apparently they do need a man. Um, so let's go back up to verse 1. And again, we're just going to kind of hit it verse by verse. It says, But as you speak these things which are proper for sound doctrine. Paul is speaking to Titus, and he speaks things that are proper for sound doctrine. He's saying, Titus, these things are important. The, the church, the people in Crete, they, they say they knew God, but look what was going on. And so he's saying, Titus, you need to teach them what sound doctrine looks like. Sometimes I look at the Amplified Version of, of the Bible, and sometimes I, li- I like what it reads. And so the Amplified Version of what verse 1 looks like, it says, But as for you, teach what is fitting and becoming to sound wholesome doctrine, the character and right living that identify that identify true Christians. What a great, great um, way to look at that. Paul teaches. Paul tells Titus to teach sound doctrine. Again, keep the main thing the main thing, and that's the Word of God. And and he speaks this in a present in, in the present sense. So it means to do it continually, to teach continually, not just one time, but all the time. Right. That word doctrine actually means healthy, and so it is God's word that God's word that is healthy. Paul's telling Titus to speak the things healthy continually. He's like, do it, do it a lot. Do it all the time. Teaching or telling them to teach what Jesus taught, to teach that the, what the apostles taught, to teach that Jesus is God and Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's saying, teach that salvation is only in Jesus, that forgiveness of sins and eternal life are only found in Jesus. Teach that Jesus is the way the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except for Him. He's telling Titus, teach why we didn't come, or why He didn't come to be served, but to serve. Why He gave His life a ransom for many. Teaching them about the cross. That the gospel, the good news, because when people put their trust in the good news, salvation is found there. And so this is what He's telling Titus, these are the things that you need to teach. 
You know, it's interesting because we can look at, and you know, we're not here to bash any other churches or whatever, but but we can look at churches and, and, and how they just they they change the doctrine, right? They 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 change the word of God. They they let it, they want it to fit their narrative, and, and and it's sad. And so he's telling Titus, and again, there's nothing new under the sun. If it was happening back then, it's going to happen now. And he's saying, hey, we have to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's Jesus. Jesus died for our sins. He's the one that came. He's the one that did that. We have to make sure that they know that. And then he's telling them, Titus, you need to teach these older men. And back in those days, we have to remember that that the old, that the younger men didn't really have any authority in the church, right? They had to respect the older men. So here Titus is about 30 years old, and he's like, hey, I got something to tell you guys. You guys need to do this and this. And so that would have been that would have been huge for Titus. Titus, like I said, about 30 years old. And uh, but he's saying you need to teach the older men this. Um, that they need that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, sound in love, and sound in patience. And and anytime I read the Bible, I'm always looking for lists. And and again, Titus chapter two is just full of lists of everything and kind of like just lays it out for us very simply of, of how we're supposed to live. And so these older men, I'm guessing would have to be like 70, unless Pastor Brian, are you 70 yet? If you're not, then okay, good. So at least older than 70. Um, right. <laughs> um, and, and so this congregation, no, they would have been older, right? Um, these men would have been very, very advanced in ages. And he says that you guys need to be sober, which means temperate in use of wine. Reverent, which means to be dignified. They'll be serious about what the Lord about the Lord and about their marriage, right? They wouldn't, they won't give in to shady jokes. They'll make sure that, 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 that they remain reverent. Temperate describes an attitude of mind that leads to caution. That's like self-control. One of the fruits of the spirit, right? It is self-control. And then he, and then he lists off three things, sound and faith. And so that word sound actually means healthy. So sound or healthy in the faith. The word of God is their final authority, right? And, 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 that, and that's what a, a, a man of God would be, is, is the word of God is their final authority. There's nothing other than that. I, when I start off marriage counseling, any kind of counseling, I ask everybody before we get started, like, hey, is, is the word of God your final authority? Like, like what this says you guys are going to do because it's so important. The next one would be sound or healthy in love. And this is this is an agape love. This is an unconditional love. This is no matter what happens, they're going that you're gonna love them. That you're gonna love that person. And sometimes that's really, really hard. But Paul's telling Titus, this is the way that they love. Right? And for me, it would be like loving that guy that drives slow in the fast lane. Okay, like like that's like where I'm like, all right, Lord, just I'll get over. Like you just stay driving slow. I'll do the work. Um, but but maybe that's something else for you guys. Maybe there's something else that you guys struggle with and, and that you guys have to kind of cross that bridge and, and love the people the way that Jesus asked us to. The other thing is be sound or healthy in patience. Patient that bears under pressure. It's endurance. You're older. You have more life experience under your belt um, that, you learn, that you've learned from, right? We have kids today. They know everything. And and I really didn't know that they really, that they knew everything till we had kids until I had kids and and I'm like you're right I I don't know anything you're you're five and you know so much more than me, um, and so some of you guys know the quote from Farmers Insurance right it says uh, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two right now you guys get that slogan in your minds right so you guys are gonna be singing that all day um, think about it but um, but but that's it right the older people they have patience because they've been there we've seen it. We, we've been a part of it. I've had great mentors in my life. When I first got saved, I had three guys in my life that just poured the word of God into me. And, and, and I served and I just did all these things. And, and that was awesome. And, and I want to be that for somebody else. I have the privilege and, and the blessing of being able to teach young adults at our church. And so I actually get to teach these, this younger generation how to live. And, and so I have some of them here with me now. But I um, mean, apparently they all wanted a match. So... Um, uh, so, um, but, but, but that is, that is a privilege just being that older guy we've, we've been around. And so Titus here is going to, um, list what the older women are going to do. And I'm not going to touch how old that is. 
I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but that older woman, I'm like, yeah, how, whatever you guys think. Um, but it says the older woman, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. And I'm not really sure why Paul thought like the women can handle so much more. Like we have like five things and it's like the women are like, you guys are just better. Um, You guys have a better mind. We're like one thing at a time. It's like slow down. Girls like just be this way. So just as Titus had a special consideration for the older men, he, uh, he also must keep in mind how to approach the older women, right? And, and, and the older women, they have their own set of opportunities. And again, this goes totally against the culture today, right? But, no, but in the culture that was back then where women mostly stayed home, stayed in their rooms, they never mixed socially. They wouldn't go out in public unless they had two or more. They, ne- they were never alone. There was little for women to do and life just became drudgery so alcoholism among women were prevalent back in those days as they sought to escape the grind of life and so that is why the emphasis is being on sober uh, is upon being sober to love their husbands and love their children and so let's look at this list that titus or that paul gives the older women and 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 this is what the older women should be to the younger the younger ladies and and again, like we can look at our society today, and these are just great examples of of what of what we should be. And so, um, the older ladies should be reverent behavior. They should be godly examples of holiness. Older women are to are to demonstrate the heart of holiness that lives closer to God. They should live a life that has been giving given over to God. They should not be slanderers. The word slander is the same root used for devils or devil tongue. Teach them not to be little devils. <laughs> Teach them not to spread rumors or lies that cause damage. Another word would be gossip. Teach them not to gossip. Right? And then it says not given to much wine. They should not be a slave to wine. Be sober-minded. And, and it's, it's, it's because God doesn't want anything to stand in, our, in the way of, of, of his sound doctrine. Teaching of good things, teach or train what is right and noble, teaching the young women the word of God. And then verses 4 and 5 tells us what those good and noble things are, right? And and, and so what are they? Well, in verse 4, that they admonish. And again, this is a continual thing. This is something that should happen all the time. But that they admonish the young women to love their husbands. And, and it's interesting because this love here is not agape, it's phileo. And phileo is that brotherly love. It's still a really, really important love. And, 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 and we shouldn't say it's a second class love because the father actually says he loves the son, phileo, in verse, in John 5.20. In John 6.27, the father himself loves phileo, you, because you have loved me. In John 20, verse 2, she ran he came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, and that's a phileo. And so just because it's not the agape love the way that they're supposed to be, love their husbands isn't, a, isn't, again, it's not a second-class love. It's still a very much in, important love, and that's the way that, they, that they're supposed to love their husbands. And to love their children's, same root word here, phileo, which means to love for one's own children. So you guys don't have to love other people's kids, just your own. It's, it, it, it's hard today because it seems like the world, the, the government is taking all your rights away from being a parent. I remember I was sitting, picking up my son one day from school and, and I was messing around. He was sick. And so I had to pick, I was like, well, I guess I'm just gonna have to spank him when I get home. And the lady's like, you know, I can call the police and you can get in trouble. I'm like, really? Cause I just said it like, and, and, and but that's the government. They're just taking our rights away. But again, I think that's why it's so important for the older generation to be mentoring that younger generation, right? The older women have been through childbearing, raising kids, homeschooling them. They've sent them to public schools. Mom 
moms love your children into a loving relationship with Jesus. And, and moms' lives are, are, moms are so important, we literally would not be here without them. And so, but they really are. And Paul keeps going on with the older woman, not because he wants them to stay home locked up, never to leave the house. But I really believe it just shows how vital wives and moms are and how important a job that, that moms and wives have that no man can, can't do. I mean, we can't do it as well as you guys. And so verses, verses 5 says, To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to your own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Okay, now guys, don't be like like nudging your wives like, hey, look at where you're supposed to, like that's Holy Spirit's job, okay? And she's going to make you sleep on the couch. Um, but but the first one again here in verse 5 is to be to, to be discreet or self-controlled. Again, that's that's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? To be self-controlled, to be chaste, to be pure, innocent, modest, faithful to your husband. So important in today's world. I, I love that word modest. You know, it seems like the clothes are getting smaller every year. And and but but that word modest. Homemakers, busy at home. And again, this is not a slam on moms and, 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 and wives. You know, my wife Karina has the most important job in our home. She has to take care of the house. She has to take care of the kids. I loved going to work. <laughs> like, good luck. We'll see you later. I, I, I'm busy. I got to go. I can't help you. Um, and so her job was may more, way more important. You know, I remember when Karina and I got engaged. And it was, it was getting closer to the, um, to the wedding day. And I'm a bachelor. I have your necessities. A bed, a TV, and some dishes and a couch right? Like that's just me. I come home, eat, sleep, work, reap, like that's all I did. Right. And so I remember coming home and this is just part of the whole homemaker thing, but coming home and this is like, I don't know, a couple weeks before we're married and, and I walked into my apartment and I thought I walked into somebody else's apartment. I'm like, there's, what is this smell? Like, why is there stuff in my bathroom? What is this? smelling stuff on on the on the sink like i had a place for my toothbrush i don't know it was like so weird just walking into this apartment i had pictures on the wall um slowly as we got married all my stuff started getting thrown in the trash and it was all new dishes and and new furniture and new this but it was so important for me it was just a place to sleep but for for my wife and for you ladies it's it's your home Right. And, and that's what God has gifted you in. And so I, I'm, I'm glad I have a home to go to. And, and a home is not just brick and mortar, but it's where my wife is. It's where my son is. It's where my daughters are. It's where my grandkids are. It's a place where I get to go and I get a recharge from from the everyday life. And, and I miss my house when I'm not there. I'm, I'm so grateful for Karina and all that she does. And so, again, you know, today's culture makes that homemaker look so bad, right? And it's not bad if, if, if moms are working. I, I, I totally get that. We live in a, in a time where, where both parents have to work. I, I totally get that. But, you know, being a homemaker and making sure that the house is nice and clean and, and tidy is not a bad thing. It's, it's really a good thing. You know, and I think us as husbands... Um, could take advantage of it. I, again, I was mentored by a couple guys and, and one of them was my uncle and, and, and I saw him doing the dishes. I saw him vacuuming and I saw totally different than how I grew up and I see him doing all these things. And so I was able to, to help my wife do some of these things. But, um, and so going on, um, so quit talking about my wife, but I could talk about her all day. Um, but so going on, the older women are to be good, right? And this is a hard one. It just means to be good. Don't do anything wrong. Be good. Obedient to your own husbands. Again, countercultural. What? Well, to be obedient. He has to be obedient to me. He has to be submissive to me. It's interesting in, in Ephesians 5, that's one of the things that, that Paul says, right? Is wives submit to your husbands as, as you submit to the Lord. But it's interesting because you keep reading and it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and he gave himself for her. 
So yeah, wives need to be obedient, but man, we need to make sure that we're loving our wives. We need to make sure that we're there for our wives, that, that we're the men, that we're standing up for our wives. We don't, meet, we don't march to the beat of the voice of this world. We don't march to the beat, we march to the beat of God's voice and what he says. And we do that through the Holy Spirit. As Paul, as his vessel, he's given instructions to his people groups. He is speaking to the older, the younger men, the older, younger women, husbands, wives, children. They are all givers and receivers of God's perfect instruction. And the reason why the older women are to guide the younger women is this at the end of verse 5. This is exactly why. If you guys look there, it says, So the word of God may not be blasphemed. It won't be slandered. It won't be reviled. It won't be defamed. It won't speak irreverently or disrespectfully about. So I would say older men and older women, this is why we need to do what God's called us to do. And so the word of God is not blasphemed. Where we live one way at church and another way in all the other places we go to when we are away from church, right? The word of God is blasphemed. It's slandered, reviled, defamed, spoken irrelevantly, disrespectfully about because we are posers or fakes and God won't bless when we pretend. And it's interesting, right? You know, and we're all guilty of it. We get in an argument with our spouse. We come to church. Everything's great. Oh, everything's great. We jump back in the car and, and you guys are like this again, right? And, 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 and that's not how it should be, right? We're supposed to be real. We're supposed to be a family. And, and so we need to make sure that we're not blaspheming that. We need to make sure that when we're around our brothers and sisters in Christ that we're being truthful, right? We want to know the struggles. We want to know what's going on in everybody's life. Not because we can gossip and like, oh, well, did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? No, we just, we just want to know right? To be praying for, to be encouraging, all those different things. And so this is more than uh, coming at church mad at each other. This is living two different lives as well, right? You come to church in your one way, and then you go to work in your another way. We need to, we need to be one way. I worked in construction for a lot, a lot of years before, um, before coming on staff at the church. I've, I worked at Royal Crest, and the people that you just work with are just crazy, right? But like, you're just different. And I remember people asking me like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why don't you go out with us? Why don't you do it? And, and it's because I'm a believer. And so it's interesting as we go on to verse six, is it six through eight here in, um, in Titus chapter two. Now he's, now he's going to go back to Titus. Okay. So we have the older men, the older women, and now we're going to have Titus speaking to the younger men. Right. And so he's like, likewise. And so this would be to Titus. Likewise, Titus, exhort the young men to be sober minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. And doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that can't be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about you. We, he's saying, Titus. Teach them, it's not all about them. Titus, teach them they are not, that they are not invincible. Now, for some of you guys in here, I remember being in high school and I was invincible. Nothing will ever hurt me. I'm, I could do all these things. I'm, in, I'm invincible. And then you get older and you're like, oh, man. Like, you're, like, you're, like you're aching getting out of bed, right? And, and, and so we're not. <laughs> it, it came back. Um, but... Um, but he's saying, Titus, you need to teach. You need to teach these young men this. You know, how many of you guys have jobs or had jobs, right? And, 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 we, and we train people in that field, rather to take over for us or just to, to, to do a job. I remember as a tile guy, again, that I would train up my helpers because the more I trained up to do the things that I did, the more work that we got done, Right. But if we really think about it in the ministry eyes, the more people that we train up, the more people that we disciple, the more people that we encourage, man, the more churches that get planted, the more people that get saved. 
right? And, and, and that should be the goal is, is like, wow, we need to be raising up that younger generation. We need to be teaching them how to live so that they can hopefully grasp the word of God and see what God has for them and be like, man, I need that. I remember when I first got saved, you know, this verse, Isaiah 6, 8, he, um, it's, it's the Lord's asking Isaiah, whom shall I send who will go for us? And Isaiah says, send me. And, and I remember praying that prayer and, and I've never stopped. I keep telling him, Lord, whatever you want to do, send me. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do. And so far, I haven't had to go anywhere crazy, but, um, but I've done a lot of different things in ministry and God's super, super blessed. And so we have to make sure that we are teaching the younger generation this. And, you know, you guys have kids, you guys have grandkids, and, and, and that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, verse 7 and 8, it says, gives us another list of why we should be sober-minded, right? And so we know that, that Paul's telling Titus to do these things, but what we can put our name in this list as well. And so Titus in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that can't be condemned. That the one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about you. Showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Sound speech can't be condemned. And so we, we should not be considered blameworthy. We should be, on, we, we should be beyond reproach. And again, look at this list, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Wow, when people see you, what do they see you doing? Is it something for the Lord? Is it, is it something you're just like, hey, everybody, look at me. Look at, I'm serving. I'm doing all these different things. Or, or is it a pattern that, that, that we just do things just to make sure that things are getting done? doesn't matter who's watching. We just don't. And, and I love this because, because we, we want to be uh, showing a good pattern in doctrine, in the word of God. Showing integrity. That word integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Right? Always making sure that we do the right thing. Reverence. You know, we're always giving reverence. Incorruptibility. You know, we're not doing anything, anything crazy. Sound and speech. The way that we talk. I've had many people tell me, I just, I just you know, I'm, I'm saved, but I just can't quit cussing. Well, we have the same Holy Spirit. And I, t- I tell them, we have the same Holy Spirit. You can do it. You just have to stop doing it. You have to quit, you know, just quit saying the words. Um, and I love how Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. I love how Paul just doesn't say, hey, imitate me. <laughs> uh, and, and it would be probably good. He wrote half of the New Testament. Probably a great guy. But he says, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, so, so who do we imitate? We imitate what the Lord's doing. Because he, he came, he died. He lived a perfect life on earth. That's who we need to be imitating. And so this should be our hearts as well. right? I don't want my kids to imitate me. I don't want the young adults to imitate me. I want them to imitate the Lord. I want them to imitate Christ. But I want to be that example that they can look at and say, Wow, you know, Larry is different than the rest of the world. He's not the same person. He, Paul didn't have it all figured out. We don't have it all figured out just because I have a, a certificate of ordination, right? Like this, like little things kind of like only certificate I ever got my whole life. Um, just kidding. Uh, but I have this and, but it's still me. I'm still Larry. I'm not anybody special. And so we want to imitate Jesus. And we imitate Jesus because that's the one the one who is an opponent may be ashamed, right? If we imitate Jesus the way that we are, the opponents that we may have coming against us are going to be ashamed. So that the accusers will be embarrassed having nothing embarrassed having nothing to hold against us, hold against you, no handles. They have nothing to grab onto when accusations come and they find no reality. And, and I love this at the end of verse 8 because he says, having nothing evil to say about you. How important is your name? Right? How important is it? You guys ever Googled your name to see kind of what comes up? So our pastor, his name is Robert David Love. And so he Googled that. And he was like the first guy that came up. He was a murderer. <laughs> He's like, that's not good. <laughs> like, don't Google my name. But, um, but, but like, you know, 
I want people to say good things about me. I don't want people to say anything bad about me. And so he's telling Titus, hey, make, make sure that you live a life that honors the Lord, that, that they can't say anything evil about you. And, and I love this because the prophet Daniel is a great example of having a good name. In Daniel 6, 4, uh, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. I love this because it says, but they, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So, so we have to change the law to make sure that we're going to have something against him. He goes on to say in verses 9 and 10, and, and so now we have old, no, older men, older women, young men, and now us, bond servants, right? Exhort, and that word exhort is actually added. It should just read bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, not showing all, uh, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our salvation in all things. I love how Paul adds bond servants because this is how he always describes himself. All of his letters, most of his letters, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That's how we should, that's how we should um, say we are as well. Larry, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I even got it written on my arm in, he, in Hebrew. It's kind of cool. But, um, uh, but, um, but, but that's what we should be, right? And, and I love because Paul personally identified himself with this. Um, to be obedient to their own masters, well-pleasing all things, not arguing, not talking back, right? Titus was to teach bondservants about specific duties as Christians, right? And, and the first one was to be what? To be obedient to their masters. And that's not serving all masters. That's just serving their one master. Matthew six twenty four says, No one can serve two masters, for they will hate one, love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one, despise the other. You can't serve God in manna. And so the second one would be well-pleasing, to do your best. Not answering back, not talking back, not pilfering. Don't steal anything, okay? Just don't, like, it, it, even, even if it's like, you know, sticky notes from work, still stealing. Even if it's taking a pen from work, still stealing. So don't be doing that. It doesn't mean like grand, like larceny, right? Like grand theft. It just means anything small. Showing good uh, fidelity, trusting your master, that they may adorn to show, or that they may adorn to show its true beauty. At the same time, as in the arena of human submission, our obedience and submission are limited by a high responsibility to obey God, as Peter says in, in Acts 5.29, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. That's how we should live our lives. And so, why should we do any of this? Why should we live a, a life that honors God? Why should, we, why should we want to teach that younger generation? Why, why would we want to do any of this? And I think Titus or, or Paul really closes it out in verses 11 through 15. Because he says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us. It's interesting that grace teaches us. And this is what it teaches us. Denying ungodliness, worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good work, speaking these things, exhort, rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. It's a grace of God that brings salvation to all men. It teaches us, again, denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, live soberly, righteously, 
this chapter is a book and it starts off with what's going wrong in, in, in Crete and it's going to end on, on how you can make it go right. See guys, if, if, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, then what are we looking for? We're looking for His appearing. We know He's going to return. We should be pointing people to Jesus to stay out of the bondage of ungodliness and worldly lust because it says Jesus gave himself for us, right? And, and that's how he ends it. it is, is the grace teaches us to do these things. I, and we all know this verse, John three sixteen. We don't even have to look in our Bibles, but for God so. You know, it, it would have been just great if it was said, for God loved. But I love how, how, how the Holy Spirit adds that so in there. God so, he just puts that extra emphasis on how much God loves us. So God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him not, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we have 1 Corinthians 15 that, that gives us the gospel. 1 through 11, and I'll just read it to you guys. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word, that holy word, which I preached to you, and this is Paul speaking, unless you believe in vain. Verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And then not only that, but he was seen by the twelve. He was seen by over... The 12, and then he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. And so what is the gospel? What do we need to teach the, the, these young kids? What do we need to teach the, 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 the people that don't know the Lord? It's that Jesus died for their sins, that he loved them, that he wants a relationship with them. So he died, he rose again for them. Because we're all, we, we're all born without Christ. Right. And, and, and these are the last words that he's going to speak to Titus as we as we wrap up here. He says, speak these things. Titus, speak these things. To the young men. Exhort, rebuke with all authority. Again, he's 30 years old. He's saying you need to speak these things with all authority. Let no one despise you. He kind of says the same thing in Timothy to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. He says, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in conduct, or sorry, in word, conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And I love the end of 13 and 14. He says, till I come, give, it, give attention to the reading, exhortation, to doctrine. And then 14, and I believe we all have this. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy, laying on hands of the eldership. We all have a gift to share the gospel. We all have a gift, and that would rather be spoken, or that could be by the way that we live, the way we conduct our lives, all those things. And then I took this last quote off of your guys' bulletin. Salvation without discipleship is cheap grace. That's such a great quote. I was like, that's how I'm going to end it. But, but it is. Because, because people come to know the Lord all the time. And, and that's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Because hopefully we, we get to see them in heaven, right? It, it, it just says, confess your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and you will be saved, right? Amen. That's awesome. But what about the discipleship that comes with it, right? And, and, and that's our job as, as believers, is to make sure that we're discipling, that we're encouraging, that we're loving people in, into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And, 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 I, and I'm excited that I'm not a young adult, but I still act like one, so maybe that's why I teach young adults. But, but I get to do this, right? I get, to, I get to pour into young men all the time, teaching them that. And so as we close, um, I would just, that, that would be my encouragement to you. You know, I, I believe that we all have to have a Paul. You know, who, who's pouring into us? 
And then we all have to have a Timothy. Who are we pouring into? Who are we encouraging? Right? And, 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 and who is that? You know, just this summer, I just felt like um, I needed all the young adult guys. I had eight young adult guys just teach through the summer. They had to put their own messages together. They had to find what topics they were going to teach. They had to do those things. And it was wonderful watching watching them struggle through the Word of God, watching them struggle on how to teach and the nervousness that they get up and, 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 and they were teaching. It was it was fantastic. And so our job is, is to do exactly that. We need to raise up this next generation. So let's pray. Lord, we do thank you again for this time. We thank you for your Word. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for us. Lord, as we celebrate this Christmas season, it's not about the presents. It's not about um, food. It's not about anything. It's about, it's about your birth. It's about you coming to earth to be able to, to live a, a, a sinless life, to, to be beaten, to die on a cross, and to raise three days later, knowing that because you rose from the dead, that sacrifice was accepted by our Father. And through that, we're saved. And so, Lord, I pray that as we just go through this next couple weeks, come up to Christmas, we remember the reason why we do what we do. We remember why we serve you, that we love you. It's because of everything you've done and not what we do. And so, Lord, I just I thank you. And again, I do want to pray for Pastor Brian again, Lord, and just pray that you continue to touch and heal. I pray for doctors. I pray that um, that you'd give them wisdom on, on what to do and how to better treat him so that he can be a part of his church and, and that he can be in the pulpit and he can be teaching and leading his congregation as you called him to do. And I just, again, thank you for this time that I've had up here. And, and, and Lord, it's just it's such a blessing to be here in this fellowship. And so I'm so grateful. Pray that you bless the rest of this day, um, Lord, and, and, and this week in, in Jesus' name. Amen.